Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, May 26th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film writer, Wachern Bui. Hey, everyone. Hey, It's just you and I today. Uh, we were going to do a water cooler episode, but the schedules got thrown out of whack. So I think we're going to, the plan as it stands right now is to do that tomorrow. So people can uh, hopefully look forward to that. But um, let's talk about the big news in Hollywood today. Um, really, the, the stories that we're going to be talking about on today's podcast are all related to one central story, which is Amazon has officially bought MGM or or the the plan is in place for them too. I don't know if you know the the ink is literally dry on the contracts yet, but uh, tell me about it, HE. Yeah, Amazon is shaking and stirring up the movie industry today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, love it. I did it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Amazon has a uh, uh, announced a deal with MGM to acquire MGM for eight point four five billion dollars. Amazon and MGM announced that they have entered a definitive merger agreement, um, and uh, this was is kind of a off the heels of the recent discovery acquisition of Warner Media, and also of reports that Amazon and MGM had been in talks to uh, have this acquisition about last week. Um, and back then, it was reported that it was the deal was for about $9 billion, so not far off from that. Um, under this deal, Amazon will, quote-unquote, preserve MGM's heritage and catalog of, films, catalog of films and provide customers with greater access to these existing works, according to the companies. Um, MGM is you know, one of the oldest studio names in Hollywood. It has nearly a century of filmmaking history uh, in its library, and those works include 4,000 films, 17,000 hours of TV, and titles like James Bond, The Hobbit, Rocky, Robocop, uh, The Pink Panther, Stargate, Silence of the Lambs, and TV shows like um, Vikings and The Handmaid's Tale and Fargo. So, yeah, this is um, something that has been in the works for a little bit. MGM had actually... Uh, reportedly, reportedly been exploring a sale late last year, and um, they had been quietly shopping to various companies. And now Amazon, with its bottomless wells of cash, has stepped in and uh, forked over the eight point four five billion dollars. 
So let me ask you, H.T., you, you mentioned um, that these companies said that they were going to, quote, preserve MGM's heritage and catalog of films. And um, that's something that I think, you know, we talked a lot when the, this news was happening about the uh, Disney Fox deal. And I think it's safe to say in the wake of that deal, um, we still have a lot of questions about Disney's treatment of those Fox movies and exactly where this stuff is going to pop up. And there's been a lot of reporting about repertory screenings, um, especially right around the time of that acquisition actually going through where uh, earlier Fox movies that that were able to be programmed pretty frequently in, in theaters around the country were suddenly pulled because uh, of this new Disney deal. So I think a lot of people under, understandably are a little um, hesitant when there are these big corporate entities that are that are sort of doing this, uh, you know, playing chess on a level that like normal people don't necessarily get to, to deal with all the time. So I wonder what you think about the idea of Amazon saying up front that they're going to preserve this heritage and catalog of films. Is this something that you think is just corporate speak or do you think that they've seen these complaints that, that cinephiles have had in the wake of the Disney Fox thing and they're actually going to care about this? What, what do you, I mean, I, I doubt you have any like, <laughs> you know, super insider information, but just what's your sense of that? Yeah. Cynically, it sounds to me like corporate speak that this is about preserving that heritage uh, in a way to assuage cinephile spheres that like with things like you said would fall to the wayside, like these these legacy titles that these these classics would not be given the, the, the due that they deserve. Um, but inevitably, in any of these kind of big corporate mergers, things will fall by the wayside. Like not only are those repertory screenings like we talked about earlier uh, an issue, but films like um, that were in uh, development at Fox, for example, that uh, clashed with Disney's current plans for its own films, uh, mm-hmm. like The Mouse Guard, for example. The, Disney wanted to have ownership over the family-friendly films and having a mouse guard film under Fox would clash with that. So that kind of fell dead because of that thing. And I don't know if Amazon will exert that kind of control over MGM, if they'll take a step back because they are a big like multi-conglomerate company that owns you know the Washington Post and Whole Foods and everything too. So they obviously have many, many divisions uh, in addition to the Amazon studios that have been putting out some you know, good art house works in addition to shift, transitioning more over to more commercial works that we've, we've been seeing lately, like um, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, for example. So mm. yeah, it's it's hard to say. I don't know. Amazon as of now, like Amazon Studios doesn't have its own sort of identity yet as as Disney did. So I feel like that kind of worry about whether it's in the Amazon identity is, isn't as much of an issue as it was with like Fox and the, the Disney uh, image, for example. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I was thinking too. And like the idea of um, of Amazon buying MGM almost specifically because of these of, of this uh, library content, right? It seems mm-hmm. like they would um, almost go out of their way to... Uh, it seems like that is the asset that they're after, not necessarily like the studio and the history and like the, um, you know, I, I think a, maybe a, a case could be made that like part of the reason that Disney bought Fox, um, I think I was, I heard somebody talk about this on a podcast. I don't remember the name of the podcast, so I apologize if I'm like completely stealing this idea, but just like the idea that the uh, the land of, um, that the Fox Studios sits on in Century City is like such a valuable asset then Disney now, you know, owns that. Or I think that that there's language in their contract where they're going to own it, you know, sometime very soon. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, you know, without that uh, sort of component to it, it does seem like maybe this this merger is going to go better from a, a purely cinephile, you know, perspective. I don't know about the business end of things, but just from that that heritage and, and protection of these films legacy, it seems like they're really the reason Amazon's buying this is so they can showcase all of these things, not necessarily to um, to siphon them off and like put some, you know, uh, in a vault, so to speak. Yeah, no, optimistically, it's about showcasing these classic titles. Cynically, it's about IP. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's absolutely part of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, I, I really think that that's a good point about Amazon not necessarily having like a clear identity right now because, uh, yeah, you've got, I mean, in the article that you, you just wrote and you mentioned like titles like Without Remorse and um, Coming to America is another one that you listed, but they acquired that from Paramount, like Borat, subsequent movie film. That first one was not an Amazon movie, so they acquired that from a different you know source as well. So it seems, sort of seems like they're, they are looking for IP, but what is an Amazon movie? What does an Amazon movie look like now? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how much of it is going to be like original films versus uh, TV shows. And then like we were talking about on a recent episode of the podcast, like how much the general audience even cares about this stuff. It's, it's all just tiles, you know, on, on a, a, a digital service. So. Yeah, that's um, true. I mean, we all should worry a little bit too, because we're in a new monopoly age and we're the antitrust busters, but you know, that's, that's something that's a, a whole other conversation, I think. And yeah, something that I don't think the, the average movie or TV watcher or streamer will really worry about. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I guess just so we don't completely uh, repeat the same exact talking points that we went over during the Disney Fox deal, but maybe we don't need to get fully into that. But I think that's a good point too. Like that, that stuff should not be completely breezed over. Like this is uh, an era where studios are owned by conglomerates. There are now, there's now like one fewer place, one, one less place. How do you say that? (laughs) One One less less place place. for, uh, (laughs) for, um, you know, potential storytellers to go to sell their stuff. Uh, more things are going to be made for streaming here. So there are there are like dozens of major ripples that this is going to have um, across the industry. But um, I guess it's too early exactly to say, wh- you know, what, what the biggest one of those ripples is going to be. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's important to mention that stuff. And, and this is not just a, um, you know, this is not just like something that happens every day. This is a, a pretty big deal <laughs> in, in the industry here. So um, one of the reasons it's a big deal is because it involves the James Bond franchise, which is one of the, the most successful ongoing movie franchises in history. And, um, you know, we, we talked, I think when uh, last week, when this uh, news was a, originally coming out about this MGM Amazon deal potentially being in the works. And we were, I think it was asking Chris about the, um, the, feature of the James Bond franchise and like what exactly it means uh, if Amazon were to pull the trigger on this. And now that they have, um, we actually got a a statement from uh, Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, who are the sort of um, keepers of the James Bond flame, as it were. They, they run Eon Productions, which is the production company that has been associated with the James Bond franchise since the very beginning. And uh, they basically are splitting the rights of the James Bond franchise with MGM. So now with Amazon. So Amazon is not going to be able to, uh, now that this purchase is, is in the works, just suddenly drop a new, a brand new Bond movie on Amazon Prime Video, for example. Um, the 
the Broccoli's and the and the Michael G. Wilson, they have um, a lot of say in what happens here. So the, the quote from Variety, the statement that they released today says, um, uh, James Bond producers uh, Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson have committed to keeping the iconic British spy in theaters. Uh, they said, we are committed to continuing to make James Bond films for the worldwide theatrical audience. So uh, yeah, the rights are a little complicated with the Bond stuff, but I think that's the big question that a lot of people had is like, you know, if, if this purchase goes through, which it looks like it's going to, what happens there? And it does seem like Bond is going to be um, one property that is definitely going to be uh, sticking to, with the big screen and not necessarily, um, you know, I guess barring another pandemic or some other crazy thing that we can't foresee, um, you know, uh, it, it's going to be a big time movie in, in, a, in a big screen environment for people. So that's sort of an important thing. Um, do, what do you, where are you right now on uh, No Time to Die HD, the, the new Bond movie? Are, what, what's your uh, sort of interest level, excitement level? That's a movie that was supposed to come out, I think, uh, was it early in the pandemic or, or was it, it just was, one of those that... It was one of the movies that was supposed to be released, I think, in March. And because okay. they, they, had, they had a whole run up in the marketing. I remember Daniel Craig hosted SNL. Oh, that's right. That's right. So yeah. They were ready to release it. And then it got pushed back to November of that year. And they thought that was a huge delay. And then they got pushed back to November of this year. So it's going to be in theaters regardless of pandemics. Yeah. So what do you think about that movie now? I know we've had a long time to sort of sit and, and wait with anticipation uh, and sort of with the taste of Spectre still lurking in the background. What, what are you um, thinking about No Time to Die these days? I mean, I'm a casual James Bond watcher at best. I've seen only a handful of movies and usually the, the ones that I grew up with, like from Pierce Brosnan on. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually missed out on Spectre. I, I've seen every other Daniel Craig movie, but I completely just did not see Spectre. I don't know why. You really didn't miss anything. <laughs> That's what I hear too. Um, but I've I've liked the Daniel Craig movies so like for the most part. Um, I like Daniel Craig in the role. I'm probably going to watch No Time to Die because it is his swan song. It's his last film. So I would say you know ambivalence is my best <laughs> um, re- like. Uh, thought process towards the James Bond movies. I enjoy them. I think, you know, Skyfall is a fantastic grade A action movie, regardless of being James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't have like a huge opinion on them. I, I find them for the most part, especially during the, like, the Brosnan years, very forgettable and entertaining, but forgettable. Yeah. Yeah, man. I was just revisiting. Uh, there's a scene in, I think it's Die Another Day where Pierce Brosnan goes off the edge of this giant ice cliff and yes, um, I remember this, that exactly he's that. like he's he's surfing on waves with a, a parachute and it just looks so awful the cg is just uh man like next level terrible so um it's unfortunate that that Brosnan was sort of operating in that era where like cg sort of became the big draw for for movie making because i feel like if he was a bond in a different era uh, that wasn't as cg heavy that he was a, a pretty good bond that just didn't really have a lot of great uh, Bond movies to to work with, but I guess that's a whole other conversation too. So sorry for sidelining things here. Um, okay, so one other uh, sort of story that is related to this big uh, Amazon MGM purchase is uh, the fate of movies like The Wizard of Oz and Singing in the Rain and Gone with the Wind. These films are uh, obviously like you know some of the the biggest and best films ever made. They're um, widely considered you know full-blown classics for a reason and they're mgm movies they were made at and at and by mgm and these movies are not involved in this deal and that is because uh 
every single movie that MGM made before the year 1986 was purchased by Ted Turner, the the media mogul who was behind networks like TBS and TNT. He bought uh, or orchestrated a series of deals in 1986 to be able to buy MGM's entire library up until that point. Um, and basically the the point was for him to have a, a bunch of titles that he could populate uh, his new networks with, including Turner Classic Movies. So it's basically he was doing the same thing that Amazon is doing now. He was buying up this library to be able to sort of um, yeah, like mine it for uh, for content really and, and just go through and, and be able to bolster his own library. Um, so anyway, uh, Wizard of Oz, Singing in the Rain, Gone with the Wind, these movies are, were made obviously before the year 1986 and they, um, belong to Ted Turner, which has, uh, he's since sold them off and, and now they belong to Warner Media. So those movies are available on uh, HBO Max right now, if you're interested in checking those out. But I, I think that's, you know, Wizard of Oz especially is like one of the biggest, um, MGM movies of all time. You sort of like associate that movie and I guess all three of these really Wizard of Oz, Singing in the Rain and, and Gone with the Wind, you always um, sort of associate with that that big MGM logo, the Roaring Lion, the whole deal. Um, and just for a lot of people, uh, there's some confusion about why those movies are not involved in this deal. So that answers that question. It's more of like a trivia thing than anything else, I guess. But um, like I said, all three of those movies are available to watch on HBO Max if you want to check that out right now. Um, HD, any, any sort of final thoughts about like the, the state of the industry right now? Do you, do you, um, anticipate any other like big studios or, or anything selling off or, or sort of, um, combining forces? Um, I know there's been talk of like Sony has sort of been just like sitting quietly for a long time, sort of same thing with Paramount too, where like, you know, they haven't had any super huge hits in the past few years, um, and those studios, I feel like there are always whispers about like, oh, maybe somebody will swoop in and buy them, maybe an Apple or whoever. Um, any any predictions, I guess, HD, for yeah. what might happen soon? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, I, I get the feeling that over the next three to five years, we'll be seeing not only predictions, but actual deals being made of, the, of this ilk. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's Sony, uh, Paramount. What else? Universal is... Under, yeah, Universal. I think Universal. I feel like is is doing pretty well. Like they've got um, their their I guess technically their NBC Universal. So mm-hmm. they have like a whole um, you know theme park infrastructure in place. You know for them too. So I feel like them and and maybe well I guess Warner now that Warner Brothers is is uh, linked to Discovery and um, and Disney are like the three that I would say seem to be safe now. Um, but yeah, you've got Sony and like maybe Lionsgate is you could, oh, yeah, you could Lionsgate. maybe see them being acquired or something. What do you any uh, any I mean, specific? I, I don't. I'm not like a, a watcher of the the industry goings on, so I can't. Exactly you don't have one of those like ticker tape things that yeah. like you know gives you stock information or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm guessing at one at some point, it feels like there's just been like a domino effect with Warner Media and then and now. Uh, MGM happening. It's kind of, it's sad, isn't it? Like Warner, Warner yeah. Media and like Warner Brothers and MGM are two of the oldest studios and they're the ones that we associate so much with classic Hollywood and now they're being felled by these new, newfound, <laughs> these multimedia conglomerate companies like Amazon yeah. and, and uh, Discovery. <laughs> yeah. What a weird one. I still can't get over that. <laughs> Yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. I don't know. I guess I'm just like a little depressed. 
Yeah, it is, <laughs> it is kind of depressing. It's also, it feels like it's inevitable. This is what's going to happen, especially as streaming becomes so huge as it is. So yeah, I, I get the feeling Apple's going to swoop in and um, grab itself one of these major studios. Yeah, I guess if just to make things interesting, um, let, let's just say whether we think Apple or Netflix is going to buy uh, a studio first, and we don't have to get any, into any specifics beyond that. But um, if you were to, to put money on one of those two, which would you say uh, is going to pull the trigger on something first, AC? I, for some reason, I'm betting on Apple first because I feel like Netflix is doing so much work and spending so much money on trying to create its own almost studio in a sense. It's become okay. more of like that content creator versus just being a company so that's my thought i don't even know if they would have enough money to do a billion dollar deal even though they seem to have bottomless wells for their own original titles i just think that apple would be more likely to to try to uh actually acquire another studio yeah you know, I think you're probably right, but I'm going to say Netflix just so we have our basis covered here and one day we can look back on this podcast episode and be like, yeah, yeah, I guess one of us was right. Yeah, <laughs> it'll probably be, please. Yeah, it'll probably be sooner rather than later that we're making that uh, that sort of uh, retroactive assessment. So, uh, all right. I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. Like I said, hopefully we'll be able to, uh, to do a... Um, a water cooler episode tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. You can find more about the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashhelm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.